0: Well, the Gideons will be out in the main hallway after the service today, and so I would encourage you to stop by and say thank you and maybe even ask how you might be involved with this incredible, vital ministry that is going on across the country. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Kevin, and I am one of the pastors here at E-Free, and for those of you who are here for the first time, I want to say welcome to you. Um, hopefully, I'm just thanking that you uh, have taken this time to share with us this Sunday morning. Hopefully, when you came in, you received uh, a handout. and in that handout, you'll see a lot of announcements in our calendar as well as as well as a connection card that you can, if I can get it out of my handout, a connection card that you can tear off. And I would ask that you would fill out as much information as you feel comfortable with. And then you can place that in one of the boxes um, in the back of the auditorium as well as the information center. I promise you that we will not uh, send you multiple emails and multiple letters and phone calls or text messages. It is simply a way for us to connect with you and to con- see how we can come alongside of you in this journey that we call life. This past year, uh, we started a process of finding our next pastor, and it was a five-month search process, and it ended with the team unanimously recommending and then the subsequent hire of John Watson as our pastor of Life Groups and Care Ministries. And John and Grace have been with us for these past two and a half months, and we are thrilled that you guys are here. And John has just hit the ground running. He has done an incredible job. Okay, no running right now. Okay. But he's done an incredible job with uh, the role that he's been given. And, and in that, it's two-part. He is going to is gonna strengthen our life group ministry and encourage our life group leaders because we know that as we grow larger, we need to grow smaller as well. And, and while Sunday morning is great, we understand that the best way for us, for life change to happen in our lives is in these smaller, smaller groups. And so that's one part. The second part is to come alongside our care ministries. That's our 3 as Divorce Care, Grief Share, Life Coaches, and our Single Moms Ministry. Thirteen and a half years ago, John, this church um, just gave an incredible warm welcome to my wife and our three daughters. And so I would just ask this morning, if you'd do me a favor, and if you would give an equally warm, loud, and might I even add, boisterous welcome to John Watson as he continues our series, Thriving in Babylon.
1: Thanks, Kevin. I like that. That's fun. Well, Grace and I finally together again, getting settled in and really enjoying our new home, our new community, our new church, and uh, we're having a little bit of fun. Actually, we're having a lot of fun. I was just thinking this morning as I was walking around and all the things that we've been doing the last couple of weeks, let's see, we did an Oklahoma play, which is amazing, saw that last night. We've been to, how many parks have we been to? We've been to Yanni Park, been to Harmon, all the concerts there going tonight. Cotton Mill Lake, a lot of times. We're museum people. We've done Mona Trails and Rails and the railroad town. And, uh, And also, I understand you've got some Indian food in this town. We've been there multiple times. So this is really cool. And then trails and everything else in this town. So we're having a good time. We've already had our first visitor. My daughter came up with my wife and, and did the long drive up from Texas, and, and we had room for her, so we're thrilled, and others we hear are coming uh, to see us. Speaking of family, ever been in a seemingly impossible situation with no solution in sight, like trying to raise teenagers? Anybody? Anybody? Well, how about doing it in the city? Not Carney, but a little bigger. Like, how about the city of Chicago? You want to try that? Okay. I don't know how we did it. I have no clue, except I just think God intervened. And with his help, we somehow made it. And our kids are asking the same question. How in the world did we survive mom and dad during that time in Chicago? As they Anyway. On more than one occasion, we've told our now three adult children two things. Number one, we did the best we could. Number two, you can always get therapy. <laughs> I'm not joking, Okay. This month, we're in a series. We're learning life lessons from the book of Daniel. As we're observing Daniel in one impossible situation after another, in a culture that feels uncomfortable, Strange, foreign, and alien. Frankly, he didn't like the place. It's not what he's used to and certainly doesn't appeal to his cultural sensitivities. For the last two weeks, we've been particularly focused on how one thrives in such an environment and how you earn credibility with both insiders and outsides. It's it's not an easy thing. Today, our particular focus is on wisdom. How do you get it? And then what do you do with it once you get it? We're going to examine a few instances where Daniel finds himself over his head, where conventional wisdom, common sense, textbook knowledge doesn't do the trick. He needs more, maybe from wisdom on high. And we're going to see how Daniel does the deal. How does he earn that credibility with both insiders and outsiders? So I want to begin today by asking you a simple question. How many of you have ever been over your head? How many of you have ever been in an impossible situation with no solution? How many of you have been at your wits' end? You just wanted to throw in the towel. Okay, the rest of you, just wait. It's coming. All right, it's called life. It happens to us. Doesn't make it fun, but it's reality. And What kind of dilemmas are you thinking about? Have you experienced? Maybe some of you, it's raising teenagers. Maybe some of you, it's surviving parents. Maybe it's that dilemma at work, that medical crisis, that financial crisis, trying to restore a relationship, trying to save a marriage. You name it. There's just times when we just don't know what to do. No end in sight. Truth is we all need wisdom, right? Would you agree with that one? You ready for a few answers today? For some practical ideas on how to thrive in a crisis. Let's begin with our first case study. In this setting, Daniel's boss has asked him to do something he cannot do. Because it means turning his back on his faith. So let's pick up in Daniel chapter 6 beginning in verse 1 and we're reading from the New Living Translation. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, The king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So far, so good. Looking nice. But verse 4, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Could the same be said about you and me? On the job? Verse 5. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Now this doesn't sound so good, does it? Years ago when I was a kid growing up, my father got himself in a situation like this where work environment was just simply toxic. And like Daniel, he had been promoted over a lot of other folks that, in the world's eyes, were way more capable. They had the right degrees. They had the right connections. Uh, They were from wealthier backgrounds. They just knew the drill. They were the the go-to. But my dad's boss, who was the president, saw him as the man. So he got promoted over all these guys. How do you think they felt? How do you think his underlings felt about that? when they thought they should be getting my dad's job. My dad had thick skin. He had to. He grew up in the oil business, and that's a dog-eat, dog-eat world, especially in his era. And yet, work became unbearable because the envy and jealousy, these other folks who had been passed over for the job that my dad got, and they were looking for just the right opportune time. To dig in. And so the opportunity time came. Now here in in Nebraska and Carnie you get tornadoes, right? In South Texas you get hurricanes. We had one heck of a hurricane just smashed through Corpus Christi, Texas and we had a lot of damage in our house. It it was rough going and I could see the stress on my dad trying to deal with this and insurance and and all the repairs that needed and we had major flooding all these broken windows. And so what did he do? He's being the provider. He's trying to take care of our family, the five of us kids, and, and uh, trying to do the right thing. So he takes off work, spends about two weeks trying to get everything up to speed. What happens at work while he's away? And they start spreading all sorts of lies and, and, and rumors about him, trying to make him, trying to make the job impossible. So he finally, he couldn't take any more, and he finally had to step down and and, and he left the company, he had the fabulous title, Compensation and Perks. He had to take a much lower-paying job just to get some peace of mind and recover his sanity. And later on, his reputation came back, and later on, he did quite well in the business. He was a great businessman. Verse 6, so the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. Daniel is in a pickle. What happens if he follows the law and practices his faith and he continues to? It's off with his head, right? Not a pretty picture. What happens if he just gives in? Well, he he sort of loses his soul. All that he stands for, he just gives in and compromises. And he betrays himself. Anybody here ever been in a situation that was just a lose-lose? Nothing you do is going to work? It's just awful to be in a thing like that, right? It's tough. Well, we heard Pastor Adrian talk about courage, and we're not going to explore that today. But We certainly see uh, Daniel's response as one of courage when we pick up in verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, He went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. So everybody knows what he's up to, right? If you want to peek in the window. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Daniel goes back to his normal practice. This is what he does. On the surface, in my mind, it doesn't appear to be very wise. This is the most foolish act he could ever commit. Why lose his position, possibly his life? You know, praying and reaching out to the Lord every day should be our regular, should be a response to the challenges of life. In this case, routine and staying the course may be the wisest move. I wonder what Daniel knows about God that makes him want to continue in this pursuit of him. You think he knows something we don't know? Because he doesn't cave in. Let's talk about prayer. Prayer needs to be our first response to the crisis and challenges of our life where wisdom is required. Prayer needs to be our default, like breathing. Unless you've got one of those terrible lung diseases, those of us, those of us who are healthy, we, we can be blessed. And When's the last time we thought about Breathing. We don't, do we? Prayer should be that way where it's just something we just don't even, we just don't even think about it. We just do it. It's just a normal practice because else you can always find something else to do. You can always find yourself too busy. You're going to talk yourself out of it. Think of those of us who are struggling to remember to exercise. What happens if you think about it too hard? You don't do it. There's always time for something else. So if you're going to get serious about exercise, you just got to do it. It's got to be autopilot, right? like breathing. Well, let me give you another reason why I think prayer should probably be our default mode. And we're going to look at James 1, starting in verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is not God alone. Or Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart, Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Perhaps Daniel knows the secret that true wisdom is available for the asking, and that God alone is going to get us on the right track. You know, personally, I love the fact that God is so dense so incredibly generous not stingy about that gift of wisdom because people like me go to him all the time on the wisdom request many 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 times because we need it and the older we get the older I get I just realize how little I really know and how little wisdom I have my degrees and experience that don't count for anything he's got the answers I'm just so thankful that God is willing to listen to that prayer request and answer that. Praise God that he's generous about giving wisdom. And here's my little secret about praying for wisdom. So I got a little prayer card here. It's a three by five. It's easy. You know, we make things really complicated. It's not that complicated. And so a simple prayer for today And this is a a regular request. Lord, show me the next steps. You know, you know today's calendar. I don't know. I've got some things written down, but, you know, calendars change all the time. Things happen. Life happens. Lord, would you show me what my next steps are for today? And then I pray that for my wife, and then I pray that for my kids. And then another prayer is, Lord, would you prepare me for my next assignment? And I'm thankful to a, a good friend I used to work with in Chicago, Jerry, who talked about that, about getting ready because God's got something for you. He's got plans that you know nothing about, and you want to get positioned. You want to be ready for the, when the time comes, right? So, Lord, prepare me for my next assignment. So get ready so you can move when it's, when it's time. See, it only makes sense to go to the one that knows, who has your days numbered, who has every head, every hair on your head uh, counted. Well, it's important to remember that Daniel and his three friends are just young kids when they start their careers, and yet in God's perfect plan, these three young Jewish men of faith are advising the king in matters of the greatest importance— to the ruling of his great Middle Eastern empire. So his three buddies and, and Daniel, these four, they're, uh, they're an amazing team. We're going to another case study, and this is a time we're gonna find Daniel in a situation with his boss, who's the king of Babylon, who's really kind of been out of shape. <laughs> He's had this weird dream, this nightmare. He can't figure out what's going on, and he wants people to not only tell him his dream, but tell him what it's all about, which, of course, nobody can do that. How can you know someone's dream? It's not doable, and then tell him what it means. So Daniel 2, chapter 17 and 18, it says Daniel went home, and he told his friends what happened, and he said, pray. (laughs) Pray that the God of heaven will show his mercy by by telling us the secret, because we don't want to be executed like the other wise men. So this wise move on Daniel's part reminds us that there's no reason to go it alone. When God has created us for community, I'd encourage you to follow Daniel's example and ask people to pray for you when you're in a pickle. Because here at First Free, we believe that every person matters. We have life groups available so that no one has to pursue wisdom by themselves, but everybody can be part of a community where people do life together, where people pray for you, and you can pursue wisdom together. Because I think life is way too hard. Life is way too complicated to go it alone. Let's do it together. Let's seek wisdom together. A life group has an opportunity to do that. Let me give an example. Over the last 10 months, our life group back in Texas has faithfully and supported and prayed for, for grace and me in this extended and overly complicated job search every step of the way. Thank God we had a group of diverse group of couples who not only prayed for us but not afraid to share their nuggets of wisdom. And the cool thing about this life group and any life group is there's a diversity of spiritual gifts. So we got ministered to because there are people with gifts of wisdom, discernment, uh, encouragement, helps, mercy, all that kind of stuff. And those people really came through and they put up with us. I mean, we're, we're praying for the same thing every week and they gotta be tired of us, but they hung in there with us. And even when we were talking to them about coming to Nebraska, and we, at first we asked around the room, anybody heard of Carney? Because one, one couple did, so that was helpful. And they gave us a little clues about Carney. Uh, but we wanted to get their input, we wanted to get their wisdom, and, and if it was a good move to pursue that, then keep going if, if, if they had red flags, and then we would have red flags. And so every potential position we asked them for their feedback and their prayers, and, and we felt like that uh, the Lord was in this. Well, I hope you feel that way too. Will you feel that way? I can't emphasize this point enough. Seek wisdom in community. Even now, I've got an email list of people that are praying uh, for us, uh, people from Chicago, from Texas, from the East Coast and West Coast, because we need wisdom. We're in transition. We're trying, I'm trying to figure out to bring a brand new job and figure out a new church, learn a lot of names. We're trying to make new friends. Uh, we're trying to figure out how to do life here in a whole different state, a whole different realm. So we need prayer. We need the community. You need the community. We, we all need. You know, this whole idea of living the Christian life alone, I don't, I don't know where we find that in the Scriptures. I think that's an American thing, but I don't get the sense from, from my reading of the Scriptures that it's a kingdom value at all. You know, we have a relationship with God. It's personally right, but we're always in community. That's how, he's, that's how he does things, in God's plan. Even today, our life group Refuses to abandon us, even though we've left them. We're not even meeting with them anymore. But they continue to pray for us. I I love those emails where uh, they just know that we still need their support. And we need somebody to to have our back. So we love that. So I want to encourage you, if you're trying to do the Christian life alone, you know, you don't have to do that anymore. You know, our church, we've got some fantastic fantastic leaders. I'm looking around the room, even some folks in the worship team who are leading these groups. We've got like 40-something groups, and once we fill those up, we'll have more. We're going to keep going. We're not, we're not going to settle. Our goal is we want 80% of our church in a life group by the end of next year, so we're going to work towards that because everybody matters. Every person matters, and we, we don't need to do life alone. God didn't wire us that way, He he wired us for community. And we want to be like Daniel. Daniel didn't do it alone. He had his buddies. He had his community. Let's make another point about wisdom. True wisdom is available for the asking, and that God alone will place you on the right path. And earlier in the series, Pastor Adrian uh, talked about from the first chapter of Daniel Uh, some amazing verses. I'm not going to read those, but just paraphrase. Verse 17, it says that these four young men had an unusual appetite, uh, appetite, uh, aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And then in verse 20, it says that in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. So the point is that when true wisdom comes, it surpasses man's limited understanding and wisdom. Sometimes situations arise where we really need to demonstrate the appropriate wisdom, the appropriate tact and even restraint in our speech and the manner of our delivery. Let me go to Daniel uh, chapter 2, verse 12 says the king was furious when he heard this he ordered that all the wise men of babylon be executed why is he mad again he's got an anger issue here that this he's ticked off because his smartest advisors his dream team cabinet they can't figure out what's going on with this dream and what it's all about he's just he's on edge Verse 13, and because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, including Daniel, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. You know, in our day, in our culture, a lot of us feel like that we should be able to say anything we want, right? Just if you feel it and you get it out, you'll feel better, right, without thinking of the consequences. I think Daniel provides... For us, an attractive alternative, how to communicate difficult truths with both grace and wisdom. Speaking of communicating with grace and wisdom, sometimes we're more prone to speak than to listen. I know I'm one of those people. When you have a a tendency to do that and you're afraid you're going to say something you maybe shouldn't say, one of the staff suggested to me this little exercise. Start counting. One, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, now if you really tend to overdo it, start counting. One, two, 45, 50. Get to 100 or a 1,000. If you just, like as my mama used to say, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything. There are times we just need to cool it. Take a similar approach when you're about to send that email, that text, or post an item online. Wait an hour. Sleep on it. Have a wise person review it before you send or submit. After all, as my wise wife would say, you can't get it back in the toothpaste, can you? Nope, it's not going to fit back in that tube. Don't ruin your credibility as an aroma of fragrance to others by being too hasty. Just chill, chill out a little bit, slow down. As I consider this last point, I'm reminded of the role played by Robert De Niro in the movie The Intern. Anybody see that with Anne Hathaway? It was a fun movie. Well, he's an intern in this company run by much younger professionals than him, and he's also a senior with a lot of uh, great experience in the corporate world. But he finds himself constantly offering wisdom to the young CEO, played by Anne Hathaway, and the younger interns who are clueless about so much of life. But as each one takes his advice, their personal and work lives are transformed, and they're better people because of it. Wisdom can have an amazing effect on us. In chapter 4, in verse 27, King Nebuchadnezzar says, Please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. In this third instance, Daniel has had, he's earned credibility with the king as he's exercised wisdom. But as he's trying to interpret this crazy dream, which he does. He also has a word to share with Nebuchadnezzar. And he has to give the word that's, uh, okay, now what do I do? It's an unpleasant message. It's essentially a call to repent. Not fun to say that to your boss. How many of you have ever had to say a hard word to your boss? That's tough. And if they have the power over life and death, that's even tougher. Daniel's in that situation, but notice he communicates with truth and grace. As Pastor Adrian says, he didn't go on and on and on about, man, you should do this, and man, God's going to get you, and he just keeps it short and simple, says what he needs to say, and he moves on. How much more, as we consider Daniel's example, can we be people of truth and grace, and we can earn credibility with people on the inside and outside as we exercise our wisdom and speech. So another point about true wisdom, it thrives or it shines in delicate situations. I want to ask the question, I like to keep it simple, so how can you apply what you've learned today about wisdom? Assuming that you've learned something today, I hope you have. First point is, First action step is earnestly pray for wisdom and do whatever it takes. Number two is pretty easy, makes sense. Then actively practice the wisdom. Be all in. With this gift of wisdom, you can not only survive, but you can thrive in Babylon. But Let me say a brief word about wisdom once you get it. Okay, I'm going to give you an example. Let's assume that you're in a marriage that's not going too hot and uh, you're having some trouble here, right? And so you ask for wisdom and somebody brings to your attention Ephesians chapter 5 about husbands and wives. And let's say that you read that. And let's say that you're the husband and you read the chapter and it says you're supposed to really love your wife and go all the way be all in. It's not easy, but it tells you to do that if you read that passage. Or let's say that you're the wife, and it says, respect your husband and be serious about that. Mean it. Do it. Go all the way. Be all in. Now, let's say that you've prayed that prayer. You've been exposed to Ephesians 5, and you say, nah, no thanks. Not interested in that. that I'd have to change a few habits and I like complaining about my spouse, and I like doing this, and nope, I'm not willing to change. Don't blame God. (laughs) If your marriage don't get any better. See, with wisdom, it's a use it or lose it proposition. So be careful what you ask for, but when you ask and you get it, do it. That's simple. Perhaps you're one of those people that needs a slight nudge to do the right thing. Hmm, maybe you want to consider a life coach. We've got some awesome uh, men and women here who are th- they're so dedicated to helping people improve the quality of their lives by making smart and wise choices, walking you through some difficult and challenging times. So get a life coach. Here's another idea to get more wisdom and gain more credibility. In your bulletin, you've got some questions in here see today it's all one-sided. You're just listening to me or trying to listen and hopefully not nodding off too much, trying to follow along. However, you can take this, these questions here and on your own go through these. I mean, these are some great questions. You can do it on your own. Number, question number two, you got some verses you can read Daniel 9, which we didn't cover today, and talk about spiritual disciplines. Fasting, which goes hand-in-hand hand with prayer and, 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 and seeking wisdom. We can talk about that, look at that. Or you could get in a life group that's doing the sermon notes or meet with a life coach or another friend or family member and talk about question three. Talk about a time when you were desperate for wisdom and for clear direction from God in a matter of critical importance. And, and read Second Chronicles 2 and, and so on. Or talk about a time when you had to share a difficult word with someone who didn't wish to hear it. Or someone had to share that word with you. Anybody had that before? I've had that. It's not always fun to be on the receiving end, but if you're wise, you can learn from it and get better, right? So there's some some great ways to uh, continue in your study and thinking about wisdom, right? So I would encourage you. Well, let's wisely... Close this message on wisdom by asking for wisdom. Let's practice what we preach. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for being so generous. Oh, God, thank you that you actually answer our prayers for wisdom, even if at times we just act like fools. We don't know any better. But thank you, God, that you give us wisdom from on high. And now, Lord, we pray that as we ask for wisdom, and whatever mattered today is in our hearts, And, Lord, you know what's on our hearts today. You know about those delicate situations. You know about those things that are scaring the crud out of us today. I ask, God, that not only would you give us wisdom, but as you pour forth your wisdom, would you give us the courage and the strength to act on it, to do what you've asked us to do. We pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives. Lord God, we pray for that supernatural wisdom as you share your generous gifts with us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna respond in song and uh, we're gonna have the prayer partners come up here. So if you'd like to have that, you know, right now it's just me talking to you, but if you'd like to continue the conversation, we'd like to have some prayer partners come up uh, and we can talk afterwards or if you want someone to pray with you about wisdom. Also, I think, a key thing to ask yourself is what's the wisest thing you could ask for? I'd say the wisest thing that you could ask for is how to find God. When I was about Daniel's age, when I was a teenager, when he's just starting out here, that we pick him up in chapter one, God met me in a big way when I was a high school uh, teenager. And... Uh, It was like God just pressed a reset button on me. I was going off in this direction, doing all the foolish things you could do as a teenager. And he pressed reset, and he got me off in this direction. So at the Welcome Center, we've got a a really great uh, booklet and New Testament called How to Find God. It's for you. Well, I think it's about time to be done. I've talked long enough, so the worship team is going to do their thing. And let's continue to pursue wisdom on God's terms. Amen. All right, let's continue to worship. Will you stand with us? We'll sing together.